Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of The Influence Continuum. I have an award-winning documentarian with me, Jen Senko, who did an amazing documentary that came out years ago called The Brainwashing of My Dad, which I watched and I loved, Jen, and we talked. And you have a, a book that is also award-winning, I believe. Uh, and I've seen you on Joy Reid, on MSNBC, and people are starting to pay more attention to your book and your documentary. And if you haven't seen it yet, please check it out. Um, and uh, I, I kind of want to say what's in it, but I'd rather let you describe it um, as, the, as the filmmaker, because it was about your dad. Yeah. It was a very personal uh, story, but you really yeah. educate the listeners and your readers yeah. about the right wing directed a, a assault mm -hmm. to promote disinformation yeah. and polarize, etc. So with that, I also want to say you won a uh, People's uh, a Webby People's Voice Award yeah. in public service and activism. Yeah. Uh, for the documentary, good for you. And that was and years later. So it's, it's just weird. So it's people need to watch this documentary. It's called The Brainwashing of My Dad. And Jen Senko, please share how how this idea for the documentary evolved. Like, give our listeners if they haven't yeah. seen you interviewed before. Yeah. Uh, First, I want to say I'm really happy to be here. Um, I have read your book. I've read it twice, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's Thank got you. all different color markings in it. And um, uh, wow, cool. the second time I read it, 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 it was even better. It's kind of mind blowing. Um, I think you and I were sort of on the same path around the same time, and that's why you reached out to me. I think initially. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah. I, you know, I've been talking about the Moonies and the right wing, etc. And you—that's what your thing is about right wing media. Right. I think of Fox, etc. Rush Limbaugh. Um, but, yeah. uh, when yeah. we first talked, I said, the Moonies, the Washington times, you're like, oh yeah, right. Uh, and, uh, the Moonies are still at it. Unfortunately, I had, people I, yeah. think it went away, but it didn't. Yeah. I had no idea. I, I remember, I think we're the exact same age, but cause, uh, so I remember them when I was mm. like a, a teenager and I remember people uh -huh. being attracted to, to that. And then, you know, some of us going, oh, what's that about? But we never ran into one to, uh, in order to be able to influence us, you know, like like you yeah, did. You, you were actually, lucky. yeah, yeah. But um, so my my story is um, an American story. Unfortunately, my story mm -hmm. is um, it's it, it's what happened to my dad is a phenomenon. It's um, it's a it's like a cancer. It's like a disease. It's like a plague that has taken over America. I would venture to say one out of every six people has a story. Maybe it's one out of every five now. <clears throat> so what happened is um, my dad, he uh, retired, and he got a part-time job with a really long commute. And on that commute, he didn't want to listen to music. He wanted to educate himself. So mm. he didn't know. He listened to, to talk radio. And it was Bob 
Grant, you know, one of the first combat oh, yeah. right wing guys, openly racist, openly sexist. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my dad didn't know. Now, he had been a, uh, a World War II vet, um, had gotten his master's degree from the GI Bill. Mm. And he was a FDR Kennedy Democrat through and through. And sometimes they even say he was kind of like a prototype hippie because he was like, hey, whatever you want to do, it's fine mm. with me. You know, just don't hurt yourself or anybody else. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so he's, when he started listening to Bob Grant, he did start changing mm-hmm. a, a, a little bit. You know, he came more combative and a little more um, critical of Democrats. And we were all Democrats. But then when he retired all the way, he would sit home and listen to, he discovered Rush Limbaugh. Mm. And he would listen to Rush Limbaugh all three hours a day. And my mother hated the sound of Rush Limbaugh. So my dad built these really heavy doors on the kitchen to separate Mm. the kitchen from the living room. Interesting. Yeah, sliding sliding doors. And he would sit there with his beer and belch and listen to Limbaugh. It was his routine. <laughs> if I can say Rush Limbaugh was Michael Pence's mentor, uh, I remember. And oh, Trump really? gave him uh, like a big award while he was president, that's, Rush Limbaugh. That's right. right. My, Mike Pence, Mike, our, our former VP, yeah. was um, a radio host, not as bombastic. I mean, let's face it, he's kind of a boring dude, you know. Yeah. So he wasn't as colorful as Limbaugh, but he learned a lot from them. Right. Yeah. But your dad was negatively impacted by listening to hours and hours of Rush Limbaugh. Please continue in the story. Yeah, very much so. And it was odd. Um, His personality changed. Mm -hmm. You know, he'd always been sort of happy-go-lucky, and he became angry all the time and Mm -hmm. uh, very argumentative and everything was about politics like you couldn't say anything without him making it political but then the big thing was democrats he started hating democrats and you know he also became racist which i'm embarrassed to say Mm. um and especially against illegal aliens which um is interesting because he spoke about seven different languages and he would wow. love to go up to different people because he grew up speaking English, Polish, and Ukrainian. My grandfather had a lot of wives. So, um, interesting. He, yeah. So, um, and then when he went in the war, he was used to, uh, you know, he's, he'd try to pick up all those languages. Anyway, he right. would talk to anybody. But after, right. after that, if he suspected they were an illegal immigrant, he didn't want to talk to them. So um, then he met another Rush Limbaugh guy. It was his buddy, and they just crushed over Rush Limbaugh like two schoolgirls. Mm. They would just, you know, meet in the morning and say, "Did you hear what Limbaugh said yesterday?" And that guy introduced him to Fox. So mm. now my dad was like a completely different person, and mm. he was arguing all the time with all of us. And at one point, he even disowned me because I had a personal ad that said, "No Republicans, please." I didn't have anything against Republicans before this but then uh-huh. i'm thinking holy moly this is what they are no thank you <laughs> right 
And um, so interesting. Where did you grow up, or where 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 did this radicalization occur? Just out of curiosity. Well, I we grew up. I grew up in West Long Branch, New Jersey. But then he moved to Maryland for his job. But then, but then he moved back when they retired, and then that's where he listened to Bob Grant. And in fact, my mother saw Bob Grant at the shopping mall one day. Mm. And um, he walked right past her, and she said to him, "You're Bob Grant, aren't you?" And he said, "Yes, I am." And she said, "Oh, my husband likes you, but I don't." <laughs> <laughs> well, love your mom. I know. So yeah. Well, now we'll get to my mom part of the story. Um, Please. So also, he um, got into emails. You know, he was just saturated a hundred percent. He got these emails and he sent them out to all of us. And they, you know, from the Heritage Foundation to Judicial Watch to um, you name it. And my mom would send these emails back saying that's not true. And she learned how to source and, you know, uh, debunk things. But he didn't listen until one day um, they moved to a senior community. And in that move, my dad's radio broke. What a stroke mm -hmm. of luck. Mm -hmm. So... It just sat in the garage, and he couldn't listen to Limbaugh. And immediately, Steve, there, there was a softening in his personality. He was less angry immediately. you know. Yeah. And he and my mom would uh, sometimes eat lunch together again. And then um, I, sometime later, I, I lost track of time, maybe three months, maybe six months later. I don't know. But... The TV broke. It was an old TV, and they bought a new TV for the kitchen. Yeah. And um, my mom programmed the remotes, and he couldn't figure it out. So he stopped watching Fox. So uh, can I interrupt and just yeah. say that I did a, a, a TEDx talk. Uh, how can I know if I've been brainwashed? And I and I told a little bit of my Mooney story, and I recommended four steps to reality test whether you've been brainwashed. And the first one is disconnect mm -hmm. from all influences of the thing that you're questioning, whether it's a toxic person or, uh, you know, a cult, political cult therapy cult, religious cult. Just take a time out, come back to nature, listen to music, be with family and friends, because as soon as you stop the constant reinforcement the brain goes back to normal to a large extent yeah so that's step, so you're describing step one of what i've learned in 47 years of helping people is if you want to think and reality test disconnect and then the other steps i can go into another time right. but it's learning about brainwashing and mind control seeking out critics and former members right hearing their point of view right. and then reflecting going back in time to when you got involved yeah and asking yourself if i knew then what i now know yeah what would i do differently yeah and if the answer is i never would have gotten involved then you know it's time to leave right it's a simple formula but people need to understand it's not a permanent yeah Mind virus. It doesn't have to be. No. It doesn't have to be. And exactly. it just also shows the power of media, the power of uh, 
brainwashing the power of uh, propaganda. Um, it shows the power. We are not that, we think we're all that as humans, but I think we're pretty malleable, um, especially some humans. Like my mother wasn't, but my dad was. Now, it wasn't because he was stupid. He had right. an engineering degree, but he had a different kind of maturity. Like my mom had an emotional maturity. My, my dad didn't have any kind of self-reflection. He just knew all the points were getting hit. Like, yes, that makes me angry. Um, y yes, I, I'm no longer the head of the household. Um, oh, immigrants are taking over our jobs. Oh, Democrats want to take in God we trust off the penny. You know what I mean? Reactionary, right. reactionary. Right. Yeah. But what I, what I want to say to our listeners and why I want you to watch the documentary and read the book is you go into interviewing people who are involved with right wing media. You explain this is very deliberate psychological kind of warfare. Absolutely. Stuff. And that's what makes your documentary not just a, a happy story of someone who was radicalized and got free and became himself again, but you explain this is intentional psychological warfare stuff. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, that's why I did the movie. I, I wanted to figure out what's going on because it was, it was really suspect to me that all of these messages from, you know, the emails, you know, the snail mail, the uh, what he would watch on TV and what he would listen to were all saying, they were all on point, they were all saying the same thing. And, mm -hmm. I, and simultaneously, I had a friend who moved to Texas, and she was changing the way he was around the same time. Mm -hmm. And one time, they both said, well, no, it happened several times. They would both say the same exact thing to me. Like my dad, I, visit, I visited them, and he said, you know, there's no such thing as organic. And I was trying to think, well, what does he mean by that? But I didn't want to get into it. So, right. And then I came back to New York. My friend visited me. We were having uh, breakfast, and she said, you know, there's no such thing as organic. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is an echo chamber. So I became suspicious. So I wanted to find out what was going on. I did research, and I found out it was intentional. And... Um, and then when I did the book, I went back even further because I would read like Nancy McLean's book, uh, Democracy in Chains, and shows like right. what happened in the 50s. And then, um, uh, 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 oh my God, I forget all of a sudden. Um, my books are over there. Shadow Networks. Uh, yeah, and Nelson uh, Shadow Nelson. Network about the Council for National Policy. Right, uh -huh. right. I found out about all of these other influences as well. So that then I included that in the book. But basically, the Lewis Powell memo lays it all out. Like they started in the 50s. Um, uh, and I think it was after Brown v. Board of Education. Mm -hmm. um, somebody didn't like that. I, I, I'm over 60, so I'm forgetting names just because I'm not... <laughs> It's okay. I'm over 62 and I forget names too. But the, what James I want our listeners to know yeah. is you really did due diligence and yeah. research uh, and you have people on camera talking about yeah. their activities. Yeah. Yeah. 
share a little bit more about the specifics yeah that yeah people should know yeah okay so the name i was trying to think of was james mcgill buchanan who was an economist back then uh-huh. um and when Bramby Board of Education happened, he got he was a really rich person. He he got very angry about that, um, and it was bad enough that he had to pay for kids to go to public school. But now here we're having little black kids, you know, having to go. So he hooked up with um, Coke. It was uh, Fred Coke, I think, uh, one of the Coke. You know, of the Cokes. Yeah, wasn't he co-founder of the John Birch Society? Exactly. Fred Coke. Exactly. So that's and Coke what... is behind fire and all this free speech nonsense, which is really not about free speech. Right. It's about trying to create a propaganda channel for disinformation to cause chaos and confusion. Yeah. From my point of view. Oh no, absolutely. Um, and they were behind the Tea Party as well. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, you know, s- speed forward, I guess the most important thing to me that I found was the Lewis Powell memo, mm-hmm. which was um, Lewis Powell was um, hired by, uh, he was a corporate lawyer, and he was hired by James Snyder from um, the, the um, business uh Oh, I just hate that I'm forgetting names. But anyway, he was hired to write up like sort of a big plan for how to bring the country back into corporate uh, influence um, mm-hmm. and and how to because there was all this the civil rights. Like I um, I was talking. Uh, um, and anyway, yeah, there were the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, um, and then all these people that were uh, protesting against Vietnam. Right. And, um, you know, business people uh, and are freaking out. And they're like, you know. We're business people, but people like Coke who want oil and they don't want legislation right. to restrict, you know, fossil fuel production. And people who are racist and people who are patriarchal, you know, Christian nationalists, women should, you know, have aprons on and they shouldn't be, you know, going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, first it started out just these rich guys, like plutocrats Mm -hmm. that didn't want to, they were resentful ever since FDR. Yes, they didn't like going off the gold standard. I'll just quote my my friend and colleague Dave Troy. It's a great podcast that goes tracks back all of this conspiracy, and it's not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual conspiracy of wealthy people yeah, to want to manipulate the public and and laws. And Steve, that was one thing in my book. I really just wanted to. Uh, in my movie, I wanted to drum in like, hey, guys, you want a conspiracy theory? This is this is the real thing. This is a real conspiracy theory. But I this remember, isn't a theory, though. It's a conspiracy. It's a real conspiracy. Right. And I felt like people were looking for a conspiracy because they're wondering, why am I working two jobs? Why um, does my wife have to work or my husband have to work? Uh, why aren't my kids getting a good education? So they're looking for answers. So right. here the right comes along with ready-made 
conspiracy theories, and they're they're they are banking with the wrong wrong well, ones. Well, they're distracting people. They understand social psychology. Yeah. And one of the big techniques I wrote in the Cult of Trump is projection onto the other and making people fearful of the other. Right. But in fact, they're they're talking about their own behavior. Yeah. <laughs> and know? it's it's blame and divide. Yes. You know, polarize. Right. Right. Like, uh, let's blame. Mainly, it was all under the umbrella of Democrats because all mm. these people that were rich and powerful, you know, you had blacks, you had uh, minorities, you, other minorities, you had uh, poor people. Um, Let's add the voted. gay folks too, please. Yeah, the gay folks. And they, what did they, they voted Democrat. So, well, how do we get them to not vote Democrat and vote against their own interests, vote Republican? So yeah. Yeah, the Lewis Powell memo to me, that lays it all out. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> we'll add a link to that in our blog when we write up uh, uh, the and embed this video yeah. um, for those who are listening in the podcast. There'll yeah. be you can you, and you can also look <clears throat> it up. Right. Yeah. So please, I remember <clears throat> uh, Frank Luntz was interviewed in your film. Words that work, Frank Luntz. Yeah, and uh, I couldn't believe I got Frank Luntz. <clears throat> he was actually really, really nice, and um, I mean that doesn't mean he was a good person, but he was he was well, very he was nice. Working on whoever wanted to pay him, I did see him messaging for the vaccine during the yeah. COVID pandemic. Yeah, he kind of was... knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, but um, he also wanted footage that I had for his own. Um, uh, this like class that he was forming, you know. I see. And so that was, I think, why you said no. But also, we worked with Matthew Modine, the wonderful actor. He he also did. Um, uh, he co-narrated the film with me, and mm -hmm. he, he, Frank actually Matthew had gone to Frank Luntz to help him with some wording about something because Frank Luntz is the master, you know? Right. And death so, tax was his, right? And de uh, the, yeah, the death tax, yeah. It clears the, didn't skies. he do Citizens United also, which was uh, like a flip on the fact, let's give corporations power to do dark money contributions. Yeah, just about anything that means the opposite. <laughs> yeah, it's straight out of doublespeak, you know, yeah. of uh, Orwell, right? Yeah, and... and uh, so anyway, you know, uh, <clears throat> he really liked Matthew a lot. And so he also did it for Matthew. Uh, mm -hmm. Matthew's like a saint. He's like a really good person. Mm -hmm. But so, yeah, there was Frank Luntz um, who understood language and understood its power. And I remember listening to NPR in the mornings and hearing words that I knew Somebody I didn't know about Frank Luntz at the time. Somebody made them up in order to poke Democrats, and mm -hmm. then I would hear Democrats repeat the same the same words that I knew were setups. Like, just for instance, like renaming the Democratic Party the Democrat Party. 
like that was that was meant to diss Democrats. Um, mm. Democratic sounded like <clears throat> they were um, sounded like they had um, agency over democracy or something like that, and mm-hmm. they they didn't like that. Also, Democrat rhymed with autocrat, plutocrat, and then rat. So they 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 got that in and now i can't hear it i can't believe it but i hear democrats saying the democrat party because they repeat 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 as as you know uh, <clears throat> it's so sad and my my work is trying to educate the public how the mind control works and of course that's part of it is information manipulation right not only deception but using loaded language that's thought terminating, you know, all or nothing, good versus evil, us versus them. Right. And of course, words uh, change how you think. Right, right. In a, not a good way. And framing. Um, yes. It, you know, he who frames first, that frame lasts longer. Yep. No matter what the facts turn out to be. So, yeah. Are you familiar with Robert Cialdini's work? He wrote a book called Influence. It's one of the most you know, respected books on influence. He did a follow-up book called Persuasion, and it's all about framing or also known as priming. Oh, really? You set the frame and then yeah. if people enter your frame, you're controlling it. Right. Versus, you know, talking right openly yeah, from different points of view. Yeah, and it's a lot more subtle. Yes. People don't realize like, oh, Republicans just framed that issue um, so that it, it appears one way when it's really another way. Yep, but, and a lot of it's emotional manipulation. That's, you know, pe- yeah. They, people, people like to think we're rational, but we're emotional and, and we rationalize, but... Once said it's 80% emotion. Um, and um, mm-hmm. uh, another person who understood that it was emotion was Roger Ailes, you know, yes. who actually created Fox. Yep. Uh, and he understood language somewhat too, but he understood emotion. Yes. And he wanted to have that emotion, which is one of the means of influence, you know, brainwashing. Absolutely. So I want to mention, I hope you don't mind, I did an interview with a Boston College historian who wrote a book called uh, Nazis in Copley, The Forgotten History of the Christian Front. And this is a book about the Nazis in the 30s and how Father Coughlin had a radio show with 30 million people. He was an anti-Semite, you know, Mm -hmm. Nazi sympathizer if he wasn't outrightly paid by the Nazis. But in this book, um, Gallagher is his name, uh, talked about a Nazi spy who was here to organize and militarize a militia to do a physical coup in 1940 to keep the U.S. out of World War II. But here's the reason I'm bringing it up, is this guy did his doctoral dissertation in 1932 at the University of Munich on how to use emotions to manipulate minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't even have to be rational if you're if you're using emotion. And that was that's one thing that I noticed on Fox 
you know, in the early days was like, these people are acting really angry. And I could tell that it was fake, but I'm very perceptive. Right. Um, and not a lot of people can, can tell when they're being fake. I'm like, what's this all about? And then, so the person that, that people tend to emulate what they're watching. They, sure. they, they yeah, actually, like I, when I watch a movie, I find that I'm making the same faces. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's part of the human experience. We have mirror yeah. neurons and that's why it's so important to choose your sources carefully. Right. And to also keep your critical thinking there so yeah. that you don't just go with the flow and all of a sudden beliefs are being put into your head that you never chose to have. Right. It was just uh, totally different from Walter Cronkite, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up with my parents watching Walter Cronkite. Um, just steady, boring. But he was still warm, but he, yep. didn't, he didn't use emotion or feign emotion. It was about the news. So here you have these people, like particularly on Fox, but talk radio is just as bad, if not worse, because it reaches more people yeah. uh, across the United States. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but um, yeah, on, on Fox, I noticed that um, they, would, they would act really angry and, and be really passionate and like, you know, sometimes even pound their fist. And you're thinking, wait, here's these people in suits, sitting behind desks, it's called news, they're professionals. Something must really be wrong mm -hmm. for these newscasters to be that angry. I got to find out what this is about. And it mm. gets you angry. It gets you fearful. And then yeah. you're kind of like hooked in. And I believed that my dad was addicted to the anger. Mm. It was exciting for him. It gave him purpose. He mm. was retired. Um, he didn't work on the car anymore. You know, he didn't fix radios anymore. What mm. did he do? He got all pissed off. That's what mm. he did. And mm. this was like a new cause for him. And, you know, he could walk around with some feeling of righteousness and like he knew and like, this is my tribe. These are my buddies. You know, I belong. I, I'm important. They make me feel important. Um, yeah. So it starts with emotion. Yeah, and I dare to say the cult of Trump, uh, although this was a cult before Trump even showed up uh, on the national political right. uh, scene. Right. I think Trump just, uh, I think that the Republican Party was still somewhat constrained. But once Trump came into power and he had no constraints and just said what people were thinking, what those Republicans were thinking, and saw how people loved that. Because they had already been primed. They had already been primed. If Trump came out even 15 years ago, it, mm. I think it would have been too much. But they had already had like 30, 40 years of, you know, like, I'm really angry. And here's someone who's finally saying what I'm angry about. So he kind of broke the the Overton window. Yeah. 
you know. You know do you know about uh, Mark Burnett and the Seven Mountain Dominionist I, cult? Yeah, not a lot, but I, I've heard of Well, that. he's the um, one who chose Trump to be on The Apprentice and oh, made him right. into a celebrity. Right. He, he spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast of the cult, The Family, that yeah. Jeffrey Charlotte did the Netflix series and two good books about. Yeah. Um, and uh, but this is Christian right. This is these are people who want to take over, uh, and uh, they want to take over government and religion and family and business and technology and media, etc. Again, a conspiracy of people who are not invested in human rights and women's rights and gay rights and religious separation of church and state. They want to take over and impose their version of Christian nationalism. They were odd bedfellows, mm. but they pretty much had the, the same goal, just like the Wednesday meetings that they had. Um, and where it's like if if you are anti-tax, anti-abortion, and pro-gun, we're going to pitch whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so it was, yeah, it was a joining of like oil barons, you know, the, uh, the, the plutocrats or... Libertarians. And, and, oh, libertarian, right? And I would add the Manhattan yeah. Declaration, which was a first time ever joining of Catholic extremists and Protestant-esque extremists agreeing to go after women's right to choose their health care, gay rights, and to impose their version of religious freedom on everybody else. Yeah. This was an agreement in writing. It's on the it's on the web. People can yeah. read it. Yeah. And all the signatories uh, to this. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe I knew they wanted to go like back in time, nineteen hundreds, maybe. But it seems like they even just want to reduce women to second-class citizens, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and take away the right to vote at some point for women to vote. What do you think? I, mean, I don't think just... it'll happen that they'll they'll take away the right to women to vote. Maybe in certain states, if they yeah. if they wind up uh, destroying the power of the federal government, yeah, uh, then then they'll have their fiefdom in Florida mm -hmm. or wherever else. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I'm Jewish, and uh, I grew up um, educated about the Holocaust, and then I got recruited into a fascist cult that said the Holocaust was justified and democracy was satanic, and I became a leader in this. And then when I nearly died and then was deprogrammed, I was like, "How did I ever believe this nonsense and this crap?" and that's yeah. what has generated me uh, to spend so many years to try to warn people, hey, I'm an intelligent, educated person from a good family. I got radicalized. and right. But now we're seeing all these millions of Americans who are radicalized and right. people around the world who are being radicalized yeah. through the use of social media and other media. So how... How bad do you think it will get? I mean, I'm surprised that there's states all over that are trying to 
uh, take away rights, take away voting rights. I mean, they're they're doing it. Certain states. Yes. Yeah, so my friend Frederick Clarkson, a journalist mm-hmm. who's been following the right wing for decades. In fact, he mm-hmm. interviewed me when I first got out of the Moonies. Um, uh, he became aware of their plan called Project Blitz, which was exactly to try to undo the the presidential election by the you know going state electors and then infiltrating school boards and state legislatures etc and he is part of something it's still going called blitz watch and mm. um but you know it's bad but there's more of us and but we need to understand the nature of the danger correctly not get distracted, understand the bad actors mm-hmm. who are pouring huge sums of money and and they and they took over the Supreme Court, as we well know, yeah. through Leonard Leo and the Federalist Society. Right. Um so we really, really, really need to have a supermajority win in, in, in next year in the election. And uh, then we have a chance to maybe expand the Supreme Court or, you know, do a congressional thing to put term limits in. I mean, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but I don't feel like there's an option to be a pessimist or to get hopeless. Like, I really feel like for the sake of our children and our grandchildren, for the sake of the planet, for the sake of all the people who don't have a right. platform to 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 speak uh, uh, to large yeah. audiences. We have to right. do what we can. Right, and and I guess you know my question was going to be what what can we do? Um, and one of those things is to get everybody you know to 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 vote. But what concerns me is like you know Texas making it so that. In that one county, the Democratic county, you know, if there's just one question about the election, you know, somebody, some idiot just has to say, oh, well, I think it was rigged. And then we know that you know, there's always going to be that if they don't get the person they want in. But I, I, I really believe the answer is I'm going to use a word I don't like but deprogramming, like educating people about how to understand the influence continuum. This is ethical influence. This is unethical influence. The bite model of authoritarian control and how it breaks down people and builds them up in the image of the cult and mobilizing former members, former neo-Nazis, former MAGA trolls like David Weissman, who I wrote about in my book, uh, and Bacha Goldberg, uh, and, and, and destigmatizing, um, having believed in the cult of Trump and that right. whole thing. I would also say that everybody that I meet has, knows somebody who got radicalized, whether it's an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a friend from high school. And unfortunately, a lot of people just got fed up with being sent all of the propaganda and they blocked or cut off or tried to argue 
and called their family member or friends names. And I've been saying from the beginning, that's the worst thing to do. That's what the controllers want is right. a polarization to say, I, I care about you. I respect you. I want to understand you. If I've said something that hurt your mm -hmm. feelings, forgive me. Mm -hmm. Can we please now, do a redo? Can we discuss? Yeah. You know, and but the focus has to be on mind control, not on policies. It has right. to, and what I find works is talking about Chinese communist brainwashing or pimp and trafficker mind control and how What's they that? pimp and pimp, oh, pimp, oh, 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 traffickers, oh, yeah, sex yeah, yeah. trafficking and labor trafficking. That's right. It happens. They there use too. the bite yeah. model. It's a mind control cult right. situation. Right. But if you attack the leader, the doctrine, and the policy straight on, you get that defensive right. self that's the true believer. Sure. And they feel persecuted. And that's right. part of the program. And it's a challenge to, to their identity and right. who they are. And that's a really scary thing. Right. So it has but not I believe scary. we can teach people. Every, it seems like everybody has been had some experience with a multi-level marketing group or a malignant narcissist that they yeah. fell in love with and were abused or some CEO who was a malignant narcissist. Sharing personal experiences in a warm, respectful way and mm -hmm. asking questions that evokes people to start reflecting and reality testing is what right. my prescription is and messaging. And I yeah. really, you know, I really have a problem with people who say, oh, those stupid MAGA people, I those do too. idiots. Yeah, that doesn't do anybody you... any good. It riles up it just, their it just, supporters, but yeah. that's not going to help us get out of the mess we're in. Like having an right. understanding that we're all human beings sharing right. a planet together and yeah. that our survival depends on cooperation, not yeah. on elitists, you know, yeah. trying to, you know, suppress others. I think people get um, confused when we say that. It, they think that they're saying we've got to love them and we have to hang out with them and and forgive maybe what they do you know but that's not really what that's not what, what i'm suggesting saying. yeah but hanging out with them watching a basketball game together uh, having a picnic mm -hmm. going fishing definitely Especially if you did that before they got radicalized that cuz that's yeah. going to activate their real self Right. Showing them videos and, yeah. and pictures of happy times together when you were close and reminiscing. Yeah. That's going to activate the person's authentic self, too. Now, what about when you um, meet someone online? I know people that meet somebody on, online, like maybe they're on Facebook and there's a right winger that says something that's obviously really wrong or inflammatory. And then... I have friends that will try to uh, respond. Uh, what do you well, think? Well, so a lot of what's going on online are bots. So one needs, you know, there, you need to know there's a real person that has an mm -hmm. actual like career or like a real identity, etc. And if you have the time and the interest, you can say, 
you mind if I ask you some questions? Mm -hmm. And then they may say, go ahead. Yeah. And what I like to do, for example, if it's about Trump, I like to say is, what's your earliest memory of Donald Trump? And then you be quiet and wait for them to think about it. When I do that, people say, oh, I saw him on The Apprentice, or I remember he was cheating on his wife, or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, molesting women, or whatever. That's really interesting. That's your first memory. So walk me through when you started to take him seriously as a, as a, as a candidate. And what typically or what has happened? Well, the idea is to get people to reflect because people get into this, this, this influence chain and right. they forget. What was your first thought or what was your first feeling? I like to ask people that I counsel come out of cults, religious cults and, and of all yeah. types. What was your first feeling or what did you first think when they came that recruiter came up to you and they often say oh i thought it was a scam or i thought it was a cult and i'm like aha uh -huh, that's really interesting because you want to anchor and reinforce yeah you had a, 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 a an actual reaction now yeah. walk me through what was it that got you starting to to pay attention so if it's Trump and you ask them, what's your earliest uh, memory or image that you could I've never heard them? anybody that I've interacted with say a positive first memory of Trump. Oh, well, when they say The Apprentice, is, are they 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 watched positively? The Apprentice, but they didn't necessarily like him. Oh, okay. So that's they thought you're... you know thought it was really entertaining, and he was bombastic and yeah. spoiled, a rich you know yeah. arrogant something. But they they didn't <laughs> say, "Oh, I wanted to be Donald Trump." Yeah. For, okay, know. so by invoking their first memory, more than likely, it's not going to be. A good one. The, the the point is, it's, it's different for every person, but I would yeah. say that the most single most important um, approach is warm, yeah. respectful curiosity, where yeah. you're asking questions that make the person really think, right? Reflect on right. things, yeah. and you can start it out by saying, "I'm curious if you're open to me asking." some questions because they right. might say you know that no you're an asshole steve which yeah. i do get online <laughs> um and i'll often get you know people attacking me steve you're in the cult of soros and you've been brainwashed by the libtards and i yeah. uh, my reaction is oh really tell me more well they accuse me of um uh, soros funded my film i'm like it would be a lot prettier, a lot more sophisticated if Soros funded my film. Yeah. So the but the point yeah. is is rather than get defensive, which is what the, in a sense they want, they want to mm -hmm. they want to arouse you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm brainwashed. Tell me what brainwashing is. Fascinating. Socratic questioning. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
And yeah. and then then I go into my story, which is why I think there's so many people with powerful personal stories if they're willing to, yeah, you know, educate like my, themselves like my dad. How, how to describe it. Yeah. That's why I love your documentary and your book. Yeah, yeah and you had your own experience uh, with it, and I had my documentary. Yeah, and almost but, nobody thinks the Moonies was cool or that Sun Young Moon was the Messiah and that Jesus yeah. failed, you know, and all kinds of other crap that he espouse so when people meet yeah. me and they realize hey he's pretty smart yeah. and he's educated how could he fall for the moonies i, I get I, to share my story and plant some seeds hopefully yeah i had some friends um i think i might have introduced you to them he, hear yourself think um they were early they early on they contacted me too but they live in um, Red, Pennsylvania, and they started out as, uh, you know, knocking on doors, like getting people to vote for the local Democrat <clears throat> mm -hmm. or what have you. And um, I think they framed it as like, like what happens is when you get all the fear and the anger delivered at you that the amygdala goes into the fight or flight syndrome. Sure. And so what you are doing is you're deactivating it. Once you deactivate that fight or flight, I, I got to run, this is danger, it's my survival, um, then, uh, then you can find some common ground. Well, that's the key is finding common grounds, you know, yeah. letting them see you as a human being. You're a parent, I'm a parent too, or you like... Yeah. You like uh, puppies. You like puppies. I have one. You know, I have a fluffy one. What's your dog's name? My dog's right. name is Sophie. Yeah. Um, get to the human level and then engage, but in yeah. a way where you are displaying you're open to being persuaded. Yeah, is the critical thing. If you're if you're taking a judgmental kind of tone that you need to be like me and believe what I believe that they're going to shut down in a minute. But if you're right. like, Hey, you seem really smart. I respect you. Tell me your journey. Maybe yeah. I'll change my mind. Then yeah. they have investment to yeah. really be sincere and yeah. engage. So, I mean, so that's another way um, that we can fight back is for everybody to try and engage somehow um you know somebody well, stop but, doing the attacking and the name calling and the polarizing mm -hmm. and start with somebody you actually know that you may have blocked or muted mm -hmm. and just say hey i yeah. miss you how you doing yeah I, I came across this photo of us together that we, we were 20 years ago mm -hmm. and i miss you mm-hmm and then if they come back and say, I'm angry at you because you call me names, you get mm -hmm. to apologize and yeah. ask for a do-over. Yeah. And in my world, I focus on the media because I feel that, you know, the media is largely at fault because it's it's so influential. Again, nobody yep. wants to admit, like... But I mean, that's why they spend billions on advertising every year for, yep. you know, two minutes, three minutes, because it influences. Yep. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful in that I, now I see since 
when COVID was happening, I was screening my movie a lot. Yeah. And a lot of the groups that had once been maybe for Elizabeth Warren or focused on uh, something else, now they're focused on media. Mm. And they do various things, like maybe they'll uh, uh, um, criticize the New York Times one day because they had a, you know, a both sides um, headline, mm-hmm. you know, or, um, you know, and then I have these friends that are Truth Tuesdays and they um, uh, demonstrate in front of Fox every mm-hmm. Tuesday. So I do see, I do see fighting back. It's just, it's scary to me because seems like they're just unleashed like after trump lost the election now it's like no holds bar you know and you have um ronda i call him ronda mm. ronda santis right you know what he's done in florida yeah trump but, 2.0 uh, but not yeah but i like uh clara atkin who goes after advertisers and who who may not Mandini. be aware that that they're paying money to promote hate yeah and who did you say i think her name is claire atkin she has a, a small uh organization but they she goes for the money she goes to, yeah. to to tell uh people who spend money on advertising hey your get your brand is getting tarnished dramatically are you aware of this i think she's hooked up with another woman i can remember her first name nandini right and they've actually they have actually gotten advertisers to to like drop oh absolutely yeah yeah money is still very important and Mm -hmm. um I was just listening this morning to a report about how something like $89 million was fraudulently raised in the name of veterans and police and fire officials uh, for for political nonprofits, but it was all going to pay them and nothing to actually help firefighters and police and veterans, which- Who was behind it? Who was the report, I think it was in the New York Times, named the people. Um, But the important thing is don't just respond to robocalls and people are, you know, powerful, charismatic voices uh, that are recorded uh, to persuade you even to give $30. $30 times, you know, 10,000 people is a lot of money. Yeah. And it was fraud. And if yeah. something is legitimate, find out, do your research, and send them yeah. a check, or yeah. you know, do direct pay, you, you know, to. Uh, donation to them. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Yep. And so um, we're going to be wrapping up in a few minutes. So what what else would you like to say to our listeners, other than I want to tell people. Check out the book, Jensenko, The Brainwashing of My Dad. And I love the documentary. So if you're into you. film, watch the documentary, then read the book. And I say check out this book. Ah, uh, thank you. <laughs> Which is also really good. It says, it says The Cult of Trump, but what it really is, like it just uses Trump as an example and goes into Trump. But it's really about a lot of the things that are in my book, but you expand on them, expound on them. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, um, yeah, I try to say that Trump was a simp is being used, but this has been a 50 year conspiracy yeah. of people. 
and understanding Bernays and understanding psychological warfare, fourth generation warfare that William Lind wrote about in the 80s. And he paired up with Paul Weirich and and uh, and the Council for National Policy and Weirich was a bad guy. Yeah. And and Lynn met with Trump directly when he was in the White House. So this is psychological warfare, attacking experts, attacking institutions, attacking science to create distrust and fear so that people be more likely to respond to an authoritarian who says, I know what we need to do. Right. Trust me. And to hate Democrats so much that whether they represent uh, policies that would be good for you or not, you're not going to vote for them. You're going to vote Republicans because they painted themselves as the saving angels. Yeah. The demonization of the other is the technique. And I'll Mm -hmm. just cite Eric Hoffer's 1954 book, The True Believer, where he said Mm -hmm. the strength of a mass movement can be measured by the... um, tangibility uh, the tangibility and vividness of its devil you know you remember a lot of quotes well i envy your memory <laughs> well um i'm i'm better with quotes than names of people <laughs> but but we all have our strengths and such yeah. i uh i actually think i got a better memory after doing my doctoral dissertation on updating the law for yeah. undue influence, that's another thing that needs to happen, especially in this age of AI, yeah. where they're saying, "How do we fix this?" or "How do we get you know rails on this?" And yeah. I have a, a, a scientific model that looks at behavior, information, thought, and emotional control as four variables. Right, and we could definitely program computers to look for human rights. Yeah. And whether or not people are being, you know, forced into a black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil ideology, or yeah. look for thought terminating cliches. Of yeah. course, for me, it can apply to the left or the right. It isn't just the right. But yeah. we want to educate people to be good right. citizens, good consumers. Right. One quick uh, other quick question is, you've actually deprogrammed people. Yeah, and I I just want to point that out. And um, how often do you do that? I'm I'm really shifting at age sixty nine uh, to training other clinicians. I have a course on my web uh, page now, freedomofmind.com, and I um, am doing less. I'll do you know consult for thirty minutes or a sixty minute on Zoom these days, and occasionally I will meet people in person to do a more intensive recovery uh, set yeah. of, of uh, consultations, counseling. But um, I do want to add that QAnon is a psyop and a cult. It is n- right. not a conspiracy theory. It was a deliberate, yeah. intentional psychological warfare uh, device that caught yeah. so many people, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah. And and uh, uh, Jenny Thomas, you know, yeah. people need to understand that even bright, talented lawyers and others can be co-opted into this, right? Into and this uh, extremism. Yeah, and that's why we have to really be aware of it. 
Jensenko, yeah. thank you for being you. Thank you for sharing your dad's story and for educating us. And I, again, the book is The Brainwashing of My Dad based on the award-winning documentary. And um, and I hope we, we get to meet in person someday soon. I know, I know. I hope so too. Great. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at CultExpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag IGOTOUT and join our online community at IGOTOUT.org. Remember, love is stronger than mind control. And thanks for listening.